0: Welcome to Frontline Voices, a podcast by the Natural Resources Council of Maine. Every day, decisions are made across Maine that impact our environment, and Mainers play a crucial role as we speak up for climate action, the clear air, clear water, and open spaces that we all love. Come sit down with advocates and experts to discuss some of the most important stories that you need to know, what lies ahead, and hear what you can do about it. Thanks for listening as we share our view... The front lines.
1: I'm Colin Durant, NRCM's Advocacy Communications Director, and welcome to yet another episode of Frontline Voices. Well, this week, lawmakers wrapped up the second session of the 130th Legislature with a flurry of last minute activity. So we wanted to sit down right away with NRCM's Advocacy Director, Pete Dittesheim, to get his take on how it went. Pete, I understand you were there pretty much nonstop the past two weeks. Uh, what was
2: it like? Well, um, you know, the mood at the at the end of the legislative session is really complex. So legislators are relieved, but they're also exhausted. Some are really exhilarated and a bunch of other ones are frustrated. So it's a complex mix, but I also saw there was laughing, there was a little bit of anger, uh, but the two things that really struck out for me in the final days of the legislative in the of this session where first there was um a tremendous sense of accomplishment and pride from some lawmakers um as they saw bills that they've been working so hard on get across the finish line and sign into law or sent to the governor's desk and for some of them they were fulfilling the very purpose of why they ran for office and then the second thing that i really saw and i love at the le- end of the legislative session is is camaraderie. These legislators have developed strong relationships with each other and they value those relationships. They've made friends, they worked hard together and it is really hard work to be a legislator. So many legislators were you know, thankful for those relationships and some were saying goodbye. For a bunch of legislators, this was the end of their service because of term limits or because they've decided not to run. By my count, I think there's 53 representatives and 13 senators who won't be returning next year. That's more than a third of the legislature. So people were saying goodbye to their colleagues, legislative staff, the state house. There was a lot of sentiments expressed.
1: Yeah, well, and I understand one of the departing legislators was John Martin, right? And he was, uh, I think, the longest serving legislator in Maine. And correct
2: me if I'm wrong, former speaker as well, right? Right, yes. Uh, There were some long and wonderful tributes made to John Martin this week. He was first elected in 1964 at the age of 23. He served 54 years at the State House, including 20 wow. years as Speaker of the House. Uh, he served in both the House and the Senate. He played a big role in a bunch of environmental laws. Andrew worked closely with him over the years. He was a master of legislative process. And he developed some pretty big wins for Maine, including helping create the Land Use Regulation Commission that's helped protect the North Woods. And he played a big role in passing Maine's shoreland zoning law. He even described how it passed by one vote. And that's mm-hmm. played a really critical role in helping protect Maine lakes. And his colleagues were sharing pretty great stories. One likened him to Frodo from Lord of the Rings. Another said <laughs> he was more like the wizard Gandalf one Republican even got choked up during his comments, sharing a story about how John had come down to a memorial service for, for that legislator's son, driving all the way down from Northern Maine down to Southern Maine. Um, so it was, um, it was a significant moment for the, for the chamber, for the legislature, for the House of Representatives to express thanks to John Martin and for all that he's done for the state of Maine.
1: Yeah, wow, what, what a legacy um that's amazing um well I know one of the um one of the things you you were doing in those waning hours as you were sort of in the state house trying to get some bills over the finish line was also compiling uh this long list of new laws that were passed that will benefit Maine's environment and communities it's yet again another astounding um set of wins and we you know quickly turned that into a new news release that was sent to the media this morning Uh, highlighting how, like I said, this was yet another session marked by big environmental accomplishments. Can you just give us a high level of overview of um, what made this so good for Maine's
2: environment? Sure. Yeah, I did create a long list. Uh, I think I included 26 different bills or spending decisions that are significant to us. And even though it was a short session, they did end up creating a pretty big list of accomplishments. So there's four big high-level wins. You know, I like to we like to categorize our categorize that list into really big wins and big wins and medium wins and small wins. So there's <laughs> there's a there's a spectrum of, of our winning. Um, so there was four really big victories. One was protecting more than 800 miles of Maine rivers through upgrades in water classification levels. Another was expanding Maine's ecological reserve system to protect biodiversity. Uh, That's a big one. Uh, We also achieved uh, a win on a bill we've been working on for years. Many people have been involved closing the loophole that has allowed Maine to become a dumping ground for out of state waste in the form of hundreds of thousands of tons of construction and demolition debris, mostly coming to us from Massachusetts. And then finally, near the end of the legislative session, we passed a utility accountability and grid planning bill that's really significant. It's going to play a critical role in helping Maine achieve a modern electrical grid that's tied to our climate goals. So those are the four biggies.
1: Mm. And I know all of our advocates worked so hard with you uh, on those bills. It was fun to see. We posted a great picture of you with uh, our new some of our new climate team, Jack Shapiro, who leads the Climate and Clean Energy Program and Rebecca Schultz, who's our senior advocate, both of which, uh, both of whom were really, you know, deeply working with you and lawmakers and our our friends in the environmental community to get that utility accountability bill. Across yeah, that the was
2: that slurs. was pretty intense near the end. Quite yeah, um, we could write a book about that one. Yeah, uh, <laughs> well, maybe that's another podcast episode. Maybe. Um, <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, one of the things the whole that we, range of
2: emotions was expressed on on that bill
1: <laughs> oh yeah i'm sure um well one of the things that you and i have talked about and that i think people have noticed and stood out to folks was that this was a session also marked by several bipartisan votes for some of our some of our environmental priorities you know this clearly reflects the con conservation um, ethic of of mainers uh so can you just Tell us a little bit about those votes. What, bill, what bills were those for, where we saw yeah. that strong bipartisan support?
2: Yeah, it's first. It's important to note that that's kind of a hallmark of, of Maine's lawmaking when it comes to the environment. We often get really strong bipartisan votes on many bills. Uh, the bill that I mentioned about closing the loophole uh, to out-of-state waste, that got a unanimous vote in the Senate and a vote of 102 to 25 in the House, so that was really big. The Ecological Reserves Bill that I mentioned, that went under the hammer in both the House and Senate, means that no one was objecting to that. Uh, There was also huge support for a bill to create a fund to address contamination of agricultural lands caused by PFAS, known as Forever Chemicals. Uh, That fund's gonna receive $60 million to help farmers and homeowners who now have contaminated drinking water or contaminated farmland. And there was also really strong bipartisan votes in one chamber or the other for a bill to uh, help the Passamaquoddy at, at Sipiec, um develop new source of, of clean drinking water. And there was uh, strong bipartisan votes on some of the other climate and clean energy bills. Good stuff.
1: Yeah, really good stuff. Um, and uh, y- you know, I think I. What was also striking were those unanimous votes for like the um, yeah. for the um, clean water safeguards for rivers and streams, and then that one in the Senate for the um, for the out of state waste bill. Really,
2: yeah, I really states. should have mentioned that river the river reclassification one that got unanimous vote um, in both the House and Senate. People love our rivers, mm-hmm. and that was a really significant bill to pass during the 50th anniversary of the Clean Water Act. And there were some legislators who got up who, who don't often speak on environmental issues that just wanted to recognize how far we have come from the polluted rivers of our past. Mm-hmm. And I really felt proud to be part of passing this bill to, to add further protections for Maine rivers.
1: Yeah, I mean, some of those speeches, we, I talked about these par- partisan votes reflect the conservation ethic. But those some of those speeches really also reflected how deeply connected Mainers are to their environment. I think that's people, you know, uh, really love it and feel feel close to it, no matter how they enjoy it or explore it or what what it means to them. Um, well, let's get into some more details. Uh, can you just sort of give us a download on some of the other important actions as we saw it that were made by the legislature uh, to protect Man- Maine's land waters? Uh, Take climate action and reduce pollution.
2: Sure. So I, um, I urge our listeners to listen carefully. I'm just going to kind of <laughs> rattle. I'm just going to kind of rattle through about a dozen other highlights of note, and there's more detail on these on our website, um, including in the news release that we sent out today. So, so on climate, there was two million that was provided for grants to school districts for interdisciplinary climate education. That's a big win. Uh, $3.5 has been provided in the budget for electric vehicle incentives. That's really great. It's going to go to Efficiency Maine to help uh, provide incentives for, to increase the sale of electric vehicles. A bill passed with goals for electric vehicle purchases for state, county, and municipal government fleets uh, with pretty ambitious goals. Um, that is one that we worked on a good bit. Uh, there's also a bill that passed that will start a Maine Climate Corps Uh, kind of like AmeriCorps, and it's going to involve people working on on projects at the local level dealing with climate mitigation and adaptation. Uh, There's also some funding in the budget uh, for um, new forester positions to help landowners develop climate-friendly forest management practices. All of those climate measures tie to Maine's Climate Action Plan. Um, Moving on, as I mentioned above, the PFAS issue is one that has suddenly emerged and ripened and is one that has a sense of urgency and strong bipartisan support because there's a sense of of responsibility um, that Maine's um, DEP uh, authorized the spreading of, of sludge that was contaminated with PFAS that has caused some farmers to lose their land. So, Walking through some of the measures that were passed this year, there's a ban on the spreading of sludge or compost material from wastewater treatment plants or septic systems. So we don't want to cause any further damage through the spreading of, of sludge that may be contaminated. Uh, the lawmakers passed a ban on the sale of pesticides that ha- that may contain PFAS as an intentional ingredient. Uh, there's also money in both the DEP budget, $3 million for PFAS testing equipment, and in the Department of Agriculture, Conservation, and Forestry, uh, $3 million to help mitigate threats to our food supply and for other purposes. And then there's also a bill um, dealing with, it's not with PFAS, but it's with plastics, um, that requires any plastic beverage container sold in Maine to inclo- include post-consumer recycled content of 25% starting in 2026 and 30% in 2031. That's a really important bill dealing with with waste and and recycling. And then finally, let me just mention three more quick ones. One is um, there's an existing task force that deals with invasive species that are threats to lakes. Uh, There was a law passed that strengthens the focus of that task force and requires it to bring back legislative proposals, how to protect our lakes from invasive species. Uh, A significant uh, bill sponsored by the Speaker of the House, Ryan Fecto, who also is one of those legislators who's leaving um, because he's term limited. It's a, It creates a housing opportunity program that NRCM and many environmental groups supported because it will enable more density of development which could both help affordability uh, issues and access to housing while also reducing vehicle emissions caused by commuting. And then I wanna just finally mention a, a bill that we defeated. There weren't very many bad bills proposed this year, but one we defeated by turning it into a study bill uh, would have blocked science-based science based river restoration efforts, including dam removal. So um, that's a quick rundown of, mm. of many of the items in our list. Wow, well, I mean, when you really hear all those bills together in the totality, and again,
1: as Pete said, you know, go to our website to see the full list on, the, on that press release. Uh, it just really emphasizes the breadth and the depth of the progress that was made yet again. Um, any I'm curious if you have any additional comments on some of the like big themes
2: or how this great work was accomplished. Sure. Well, one thing on, I mean, some bills and issues suddenly become ripe. Um, I was looking through the budget uh, yesterday and searched for the word, just searched for PFAS, and it was mentioned 77 times in the state budget. And then um, I, I would bet that four years ago, it wasn't mentioned once. So that issue has just suddenly become one of significant, yeah, lawmakers know it's a problem and knows that, that we have to deal with it. Let me touch on just a few things. None of what happened, nothing on this list would have happened without champions at the state house. And Maine has some really fantastic legislators who worked so hard this legislative session. I even got emails that, that were, um, were time stamped at 2 uh, a.m. from a couple of legislators that were working in the final days just to try to get their bills across the finish line. So, great lawmakers, really inspiring work by them. Also, we have some great coalition partners. The Environmental Priorities Coalition has fantastic um, uh, uh, colleagues who are up at the State House who are helping mobilize their supporters, who are working with lawmakers. Maine Youth for Climate Justice brought a lot of energy around some of the climate issues. Um, A whole bunch of work was done across the board on all of these issues. So even though I I list these as environmental accomplishments, they are accomplishments that were brought across the finish line by um, legislators, coalition partners, and also thirdly, Maine people. I mean, Mm -hmm. none of this would have happened without the engagement of people who care about these issues and really brought that forward. Um, in testimony, talking to their legislators, and, and writing about it in op-eds, and, it, and that makes, that's the secret sauce right there. Uh, lawmakers really listen to their constituents, and for a lot of these issues, they heard that Maine people wanted action.
0: hmm
1: Hear, hear. And thanks to all of you who took that action. Uh, as always, Pete, I'm curious about disappointments. I'm sure there were a few cases where bills didn't move forward, where we would have hoped that they would have. So can you just um, give us a little insight into into that, what disappointments we saw in this legislative
2: session? Sure, Uh, it was mostly a a session about winning, but there also was uh, a little bit of losing. Um, So the biggest disappointment for a lot of people is the, the tribal sovereignty bill which um, received very strong votes, but, but not the two-thirds majority um, that would have been necessary for a veto override. This was LD 1626. It's been worked on for several years now, a high priority for the Wabanaki Alliance. And, um, and that bill ended up not leaving the legislature to go to the governor's desk. It stayed on the appropriations table. Uh, there was some significant progress for the tribes this year, but this uh, tribal sovereignty bill was was the top tier priority and and did not make it this year. We hope the administration and the governor continue to work with the tribes and 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 get this bill across the finish line mm-hmm. in a future session. And we also, there was also a solar procurement bill that died on the final day of the legislative session. Um, it passed the Senate by a pretty sizable margin. And then it foundered in the in the House where there were three different reports out of the committee and none of them um Got a majority vote, so it the bill died in non concurrence and that's a missed opportunity to have brought mm-hmm. hundreds of megawatts of additional uh grid scale low cost uh solar to um to the grid and to maine people so those are the two that stand out Hmm. thanks Pete yeah
1: those both are those both are disappointments for sure, and hopefully like you said we'll see movement on them um soon well let's wrap up the Let's wrap up the episode real quick, as we usually try to do with a quick look from you, Pete, at what's coming up. Now, I mean, now that the legislative session is over, you just we, you just go on vacation, right? <laughs> no, I'm just yeah. kidding. Um, so there's plenty going on. So can you just give us a little uh, insight into what, what you and our advocates are going to be paying attention to in the next coming weeks? OK, I'm just going to mention a
2: few. Um, the legislature always does set aside a bill, a a day called the veto override day. So if the governor does veto any of the bills that are arriving at her desk um, in these days following uh, yesterday's adjournment, um, then they will come back on May 9th to cast votes to attempt to override those vetoes. And I don't anticipate very many, if any, vetoes. So we don't know if they'll actually come back on May 9th or not. I kind of hope that they do because there's Several legislators that I didn't really get a chance to say goodbye to that won't be returning next year. Uh, the CMP corridor issue is going to be back um, in the news uh, this month and the month. Well, not we're not May yet, but during the month of May on uh, May 10th will be the oral argument on the CMP case in court. And uh, of course, everybody knows that the CMP corridor construction has been brought to a halt, and the referendum question one is now the law of the land and it makes it illegal for the CMP corridor to to be built in that corridor in that western part of the state of Maine. And uh, the owner of CMP, Avangrid, is trying to overturn um, the the referendum and we hope that they do not prevail. Also May 17th and 18th, the Board of Environmental Protection finally, well over two years after we appealed the DEP permit to proceed with the CMP, um project the quarter project they will be hearing that appeal on the 17th and 18th out in farmington and then i just want to mention that um from now through kind of the end of may is when the alewives are returning to maine rivers mm. by the millions and mm-hmm. this is really an opportunity to see the wonders of nature as these sea-run fish are returning to freshwater spawning habitat so I'm going to just make a plug for the Maine Alewife Trail Map. Um, If you just enter that in your search engine, it'll take you to the organization Maine Rivers and you'll find the Maine Alewife Trail Map. And it lists a dozen or 16 different places along Maine Rivers where you can go and watch alewives returning. Damariscotta Mills is a great place to go. Uh, also, the Sebastocook River is a great place to go, but there's also many others on that map. And that's always a, a, a inspiring way to see what uh, has been accomplished um, since our rivers were dead in the 1950s and 60s. And now we've got just countless fish returning and trying to get to their habitat. Unfortunately, dams still block access to to habitat for many of our fish. But in many cases, uh, we have restored the water quality and the habitat and removed some dams that are enabling fish to thrive. So that's worth going out and checking out.
1: Mm-hmm, for sure, that's a great hopeful note to end on. Uh, yeah. Although the whole, oh, the whole, hopefully the whole podcast was a hopeful note um, delivering some good news for everyone. Um, well, thanks again, Pete, for giving us that, that perspective from the state house. Uh, also, a special thank you to our advocates who worked alongside Pete, everyone else who, at NRCM who helps make this happen. But a special thank you to you, our listeners and supporters. As uh, Pete mentioned, you know, these bills we just spoke about wouldn't have become law without the thousands of you who sent emails, called you legislators, uh, and much more. And, and, you know, it's this partnership between NRCM and the Maine people and people that love Maine uh, that has always made us so effective. So thank you. Uh, thanks again, Pete, for joining us. Uh, it was a pleasure. And as we've said a couple times, if you ever want, if you want to read more about any of these issues, uh, definitely visit our website at nrcm.org. And thanks again for
0: listening. Thanks for listening to Maine Environment Frontline Voices. If you enjoy this episode, you can subscribe to our podcast or leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and several other podcast listening apps. Since 1959, NRCM has been tapping into the power of the Maine people, science, and the law to protect and enhance the nature of Maine. To learn more about our work, visit nrcm.org or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at NRCM Environment.